One of the things that we did over the August period was we called it a month of encouragement. And uh, I invited you to meet up with somebody else, one other person, to read the Bible together. And a lot of people did that and had a lot of feedback, a good number of feedback um, forms which were really positive and, and encouraging. And I've thought about one or two things connected with that, but one of the things out of that is that I'd like us to repeat that a few times in the year because it's a blessing to meet up with other Christians and read the Bible together. And so I'm going to suggest that we make November a day of encouragement and I want to encourage you to do what we did in August and that is to meet up with another person in the church to meet twice in that month and to read two passages of the Bible which I've chosen and uh, I think the last passage some of them found anyway um, so leading up with it leading up to Christmas I thought it'd be good to read two of the passages in or two of the sections of Luke chapter 1 which are the precursor to the Nativity, if you like, the incarnation. It's the announcement to Zechariah about the, the baby that will be born to his wife, Elizabeth, who was barren and advanced in age. It's a, a polite way of saying it, which is a lovely way of saying it in the, in the uh, um, New King James Version. And she was old, in other words. And she, it was a miracle, miraculous conception, um, but it was a, a, a normal conception. And then the angel Gabriel who appeared to Mary and promised a miraculous conception of the baby Jesus. Um, and so I'd like to encourage you to think about that. It's, this is forewarning. So we've got to quite a few weeks yet, but with me being away, um, well, I won't be able to mention it next, uh, next Sunday. And so there is a, a sign-up sheet now at the back uh, in the lounge if you'd like to be part of that. If you're happy to be paired up with somebody and uh, you'd like me to find somebody to do that, put your name down and tick a box. If you just want to find your own partner to read then uh, with, then just put your name down. So more about that later, but I, I really encourage you to do that. It was a blessing, and I was blessed. I met up with someone in the church who had a lovely time in, wasn't Costa, as, as the living, and uh, we read and prayed. It, it was a great time. So uh, hope you hope you're able to do that. Congratulations. Bruce, Robert, Pearson, wow, I didn't know your middle names, great to get these middle names known, so well done on that, and uh, of course, uh, every blessing in your own further, go, further studies as well. I'd like to turn in the Bible to John's Gospel, chapter 15, to read from God's Word. It will be on the screen, but if uh, there's a Bible, if you brought your own Bible or there's a Bible in front of you, and it's a church Bible, it's on page 1051. 1051 in the church Bible, like, and uh, it's John chapter 15, I'm reading the first 11 verses. Jesus said this, for I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. Let's uh, pray again, shall we? Lord, we uh, do ask for your help that you would take your word and take the thoughts that you've laid on my heart, my mind, and Lord, would you use those to speak to our hearts? Would you uh, take away from my mind anything that you don't want me to say? Would you guide me into the things that you want me to say? And bless us this morning, Lord, as we gather around your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing in the series in our morning services on the battles that Christians face. So Tony started us off on the battle for forgiveness when it comes to our relationships with each other. Uh, Simon took the battle for um, the battle with worry and anxieties and the battle to trust the Lord in those situations. This morning we're going to look at the battle for joy. The word joy appears over and over again in the Bible, both New Old Testament and New Testament. The Psalms are filled with joy and references to joy. The psalmist said, shout for joy. The psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Nehemiah said, the, Lord, the, the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then you go into the New Testament, and, and, and that's just a, a selection of verses. In the Old, in the New Testament, there's this thread of joy running right through it. In the parable of the faithful servant, the commendation was, enter into the joy of your Lord. In the book of Acts, we read that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The word joy appears in the New Testament 59 times as a, as a noun. And the word rejoice, it's a connected word in, in the Greek, the word rejoice appears 74 times. It's, it, it keeps on coming up all the way through. Joy, rejoice, joy, rejoice. My text this morning is verse 11 of that 
chapter, John 15. John 15, verse 11. It tells us that God wants his people to experience real joy. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus wanted his disciples to experience his joy. My joy may remain in you. So God wants you and me, if you're a, a, a Christian believer, to be a joyful Christian. That comes over and over again. John 16 verse 24. Jesus said this, just a bit further on in John's Gospel. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And then John said the same in his uh, first letter. 1 John chapter 4 in his uh, later epistle. 1 John chapter 1, sorry, verse 4. He said, in these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Our, our joy is very, very important to God. It's God's will that our joy is full. The NIV has complete. He wants us to be full of joy. The, the, the Hebrew word for joy actually has a root meaning which means to spin around. So it, it, it was used as an expression of just exuberance of joy. So I was tempted to ask you to stand up and do a twirl, but I've resisted the temptation. You'd be glad to hear. God wants us to be a joyful people. God wants me to be a joyful pastor. He wants you to be a joyful husband, a joyful wife, a joyful parent. He wants you to be a joyful person. He wants the church to be a joyful church so that when people come, actually, there's an attractiveness there. There's a joyfulness. You know, some people, their joy is so deep it never gets out. <laughs> My joy is so deep. You know, it's, it, it, it's got to get up somewhere. It's got to affect us. Some people go to church as if they're going to the dentist. You know, it's, it's somber, it's hard, it's, it's not. It's meant to be a joyful occasion. There's got to be an aspect of joy that affects our attitude, affects our life, even affects our face, you know, affects our, even our emotions. But if we are to be filled with joy, we've, we've got to understand what joy is. I mean, what do we mean by joy? What does the Bible mean by joy? Is it a feeling? Is it an emotion? Is it happiness? Uh, is it cheerfulness? Or is it something deeper than that? When I started to think about this, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy, this explaining what joy was. And then I found out it's actually quite hard. To define joy, to explain what that joy is. In some ways, I think it's easier to say what it isn't. I don't think joy is the same as being happy. In the sense of our word happy today. I think our word happy has sort of become a bit more trivialized, hasn't it? And sentimentalized and that sort of thing. 
I've heard it said this, that in many ways, happiness depends upon the happening. Whereas joy, the joy that God gives, transcends that. You know, if I, if I have to look to my circumstances to find my joy, then I'll be living on an emotional roller coaster. So that, my joy cannot depend upon my circumstances. The, the joy of the Bible is much more than a mood. It's much more than a feeling, an emotional feeling. R.C. Sproul said this, Joy is not simply a superficial cheerfulness or irrational escapism. It's not a superficial cheerfulness or irrational escapism. Just turn, if you're in your Bibles, to James chapter 1. This is right at the back of the New Testament. James chapter 1 verse 2. This, this brings out that fact that joy is deeper than an emotional response. Just an emotional response. So James said this. My brethren, count it all joy... When you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So that's saying that joy, the joy that God gives and that we are to experience actually goes with us in trials and in difficulties and in problems. Another verse is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 that reinforces that. 1 Thess chapter 1 verse 6. Paul writing to the Thessalonican Christians, he said, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, that's real persecution, with joy of the Holy Spirit. So it's clear, isn't it? Joy isn't just an emotion. It's something more than that which we can experience when we suffer. God doesn't promise joy instead of sorrow. He does promise joy in sorrow. He doesn't promise joy as a substitute for sorrow. He promises joy in the midst. Sorry, promises joy in the midst of sorrow. Some of you have heard of Richard Wormbrandt, the um, Romanian pastor. In, he was imprisoned in the uh, Cold War uh, by the communist authorities, and, and writing about his imprisonment, he was in, in prison for many years, for fourteen years, often in solitary confinement. And this is what he said. Alone in my cell, cold and hungry and in rags, sometimes I was so filled with joy that I felt I would burst if I did not give it expression. One American theologian, a guy called Phil Riken, he says this, joy is not so much happiness as Contentment. It is not therefore a spontaneous response to some temporary pleasure. It doesn't depend on circumstances at all. It is based rather on rejoicing in one's eternal identity in Jesus 
Christ. You see, the joy that God has for you and me, it's the joy of the Lord. Jesus said that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Tim Keller puts it like this, joy is delight in God and his salvation for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. Its opposite is hopelessness and despair. Its opposite is hopelessness and despair. Now you might, we might have thought, well, the opposite of joy is sorrow. No, not, not, not biblical joy. The opposite of joy is hopelessness and despair. So the joy of the Lord includes lots of things. It includes peace. It includes comfort. It includes stability and security. It's a deep down confidence that all is well no matter what the circumstances. Because Christ is in us and he's with us. No matter what the problem. It's a settled joy based upon the unchanging promises and power of God. Is that your experience? And is it mine? Is it growing? Is it deepening? Is it real? Our text says this, John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. It's the joy of the Lord. It's something much deeper, much richer, and much fuller than just a feeling. Now it does bring a sense of happiness. It, does, it really does bring a sense of happiness. So there's happiness there somewhere in that. But it isn't just sheer happiness. It's a deep-seated sense of happiness in what God has done and in what he's doing. You know, Jesus was known as a man of sorrows, yet he was full of joy. John MacArthur put it like this, this is deep down settled joy. This is miles below the surface of the troubled sea. This is in the dead calm of the depth of your soul. It doesn't move it's unassailable. It's immovable. It's the deep-seated joy that provides for you constant satisfaction and contentment. That's what Jesus offers. That's what Jesus brings. If there's one thing I've learned is that the devil would rob you of your joy. He, would want, he can't rob you of your salvation if you're saved. You're, you're, you're in his grip but he can rob you of your joy. And he wants you to be a joyless Christian and me to be a joyless Christian. When that happens, and oh, I've, I've had that experience many times in my, in my Christian life, and it can happen in a moment, and we'll come to that in a moment, how to beat, how to fight the joy busters, if you like, how to fight the robbers of joy. But it can happen in a moment, and take my eyes off God, and I, I can let sin come in, or let something come in, Maybe in a hurt or a grievance, an unforgiveness or a jealousy or an envy. It can be anything or a lust of the mind. It can be anything. And I lose my joy. I do. I lose that sense of joy. 
or it can happen gradually without really understanding and even ex being a conscious of it. You know, you're serving God and you, it becomes dutiful and you, you just serve and you lose the joy of service. It can happen in so many ways. And the devil delights when we are without joy. We, friends, we need to learn to fight for our joy. You have to fight for it. I have to fight for it. It's something, it, sometimes, you, it, yes, it's a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. But there's a part that we have to play. We have to battle for it sometimes. We have to fight for that joy. It's got to be fought for. How do we, how do we battle for joy? How do we fight for it? First of all, we need to keep close to Jesus. We need to keep close to Jesus. Just go back to John 15 verse 11. Notice the first two words that Jesus said. These things I have spoken to you. That, so that, so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. What, what are the, these things he's talking about? You know, so he, he's spoken these things so that our joy may be full. Well, the, these things refer to what's gone before. And John 15 is all about abiding in Jesus. Resting in Christ. Christ abiding in us. Christianity isn't about just doing stuff and, and being religious and things like that. It's a relationship with Jesus. He comes into our lives by faith. He lives in us, but we have to remain in him. We draw on him. We fellowship with him. And that's the secret of experiencing joy. Real joy. It's the joy that comes from relationship with Christ. Knowing him in our hearts and the peace that he brings and the fellowship we enjoy. And I remember singing in, in, when I was, I was brought up in a Sunday school, going to Sunday school. We, say, we used to sing a song, I am H-A-P-P-Y. Does anybody know? I'm H-A-P-P-Y, I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I know I am, I'm sure I am, I'm H-A-P-P-Y. Not much theology in that, got to say. I, we also sing another song, which has got a bit more body to it. Joy is the flag flying high in the castle of my heart. In the castle of my heart. Now it goes, joy is a flag flying high in the castle of my heart. Yeah, okay. For the king is in residence there. Now that's better. I'm not against the other one, but that's better, right? <coughs> Joy is a flag flying high. Okay, so it's got to be seen. Because the king, Jesus, is in residence there. He's king of my life. He's Lord. He's, I'm letting him be Lord. I'm fellowshipping with him. So make that a priority. Keep close to Jesus. Secondly, Amanda has dealt with this already. She's brought it out wonderfully. Deal with any known sin. Sin is the greatest Joy robber there is. What happened with David? King David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he wouldn't acknowledge it. He, he just kept it to himself. Until eventually he was broken before God. Psalm 51 is his penitent prayer. 
and he cries out to God. This is what he said. Oh God, make me hear joy and gladness. That the bones you have broken may rejoice. It's a picture of him feeling absolutely dead. And he lost his joy. And later in that psalm he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That, the joy of your salvation. He'd lost that because he'd allowed sin to come in. How many times have I lost my joy because I've allowed sin to come in and not confessed it and I've kept it to myself and I've lost out. And friends, you lose out. You lose out if there's undealt with sin in your life. Any, un, any known disobedience. And it might just be a little thing. Lovely, I love that um, word in the Song of Solomon which says, take us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vine. It's a a picture of the little things, the small things that actually eat away and cause destruction. And it can be just a small thing that robs us. Or it may be something that just absolutely accumulates in our heart and is so wrong. Some of us might have tried to deal with our sin and failed. I know what it's like. I've been in that cycle where you just do stuff and you just ask for forgiveness and then you do it again and you ask for forgiveness and you do it again and you're crying out to God, Lord, and you think, well, I'll never, ever, ever deal with this. And all I can say is, you will get the victory. You will get the victory. Don't give in. Don't give up. The Holy Spirit is in you. He puts within you desires to be holy. And that never goes out if you're a true child of God. There's an old Jewish proverb I came across which says, there are three men who deserve no pity. An unsecured creditor, a hen-pecked husband, and a man that does not try again. Okay, an unsecured, there are three men who deserve no pity, an unsecured creditor, a henpecked husband, and a man that does not try again. Well, it, it's not scripture. But there is some truth in it. I don't know about the henpecked husband, but uh, certainly about the need to keep on going, keep on going. Don't despair in the battle with sin. Rely more on God. Believe that God has the victory for you. God will only fail in his purposes in my life if I'm happy for him to fail. God will only fail in the purposes of my life if I am happy for him to fail. If I actually like my sin too much or like my disobedience and don't confess it and truly repent. Don't keep silent when it comes to sin. Cry out to God for forgiveness. Thirdly, Rejoice in all circumstances. It's the same root word, rejoice, joy, rejoice. Let me just turn to Philippi, sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Well known verses, you probably will have heard of it, be familiar with these verses. Verse 16, rejoice always. Right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That, that, what that's saying is whatever circumstance we're in, 
we are to be we are to rejoice. We are actually to be thankful for it's actually a command. Rejoice. It actually it's almost a command to be joyful. Be joyful. Rejoice always. In everything give thanks. Whatever the circumstances, I don't think we can give thanks for sin. We shouldn't give thanks for that. But and we might not even be able to give thanks for this, if it's tragedy or it's death or it's some awful thing that's happening, but we can give thanks in that circumstance and situation. Paul said the same thing in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He said this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Right? So it's there again, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Just in case we didn't get it, he says again, I say rejoice. Don't miss out on that. Be joyful in all circumstances. What will rob you of, what will rob me of my joy? Well, I'm sure Simon covered this when he talks about anxieties and worries. Discouragements, frustrations, irritations, people difficulties, work problems, people problems, home problems, fears, doubts, whoa, the list is endless. There's all sorts of things that we face. Becoming a Christian, those sorrows, those difficulties, those challenges are just as much yours as they are for anybody who isn't a Christian. God doesn't take those things away. The difference is, how are we going to face them? And the word of God says, look, rejoice in all circumstances. Paul was in prison when he wrote that. Chained, in prison. Facing likely martyrdom, facing likely execution. He talks about in Philippines, of being poured out as a sacrifice. Likely facing that. And yet he said to those believers, whatever my circumstances, praise God. I want to praise God. I'm going to rejoice. It's actually a command. In practice, what's it like? What's, what's the, what, what do you feel like when you first wake up? Don't, don't, don't say out loud, but do you, do you always feel on top of the world when you wake up first, wake up, full of the joys of spring? And, or do you feel yuck, down, heavy-hearted? I think a lot depends on Temperament, a lot depends on circumstances. But there are times, I know, when I don't feel like jumping out of bed. Maybe there's not much to look forward to in the day or something like that. Well, actually, we, we are still, in all circumstances, still to rejoice. Praise the Lord. Set my mind on thanking the Lord. What a great way to start the day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Even if I feel awful. And, I've, and, I, and the last thing I want to do is to get out of bed and I want to get back under the covers. I will rejoice, the psalmist said. I will. I set my mind on this. I'm going I'm to praise God. I thank you for this day, Lord. And I am going to rejoice today. I'm going to be glad. Setting of the mind. You can't do that in your own... I can't do that in, our, in my own strength. It's not I'm going I'm to make myself joyful. Actually, it is relying on the Holy Spirit. Relying on God. It's God's strength. 
as you rely on him and work with him. Rejoice in the Lord always. St. Augustine, Augustine said this, Father, command what you will and grant what you command. I think that's really helpful. Father, God, command what, whatever you will, command what you will, but I can't do it, Lord, in my own strength. So grant what you command. Help me to do it. How do we fight for joy? Keep close to Jesus. Deal with known sin. Rejoice in all circumstances. The next thing I have is this. Raise the shield of faith. In the moment. Trust the Lord. Commit it to God. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can produce this in you. One of my favorite prayers and benedictions is Romans chapter 15, in Romans chapter 15. And uh, I often would finish a, a service with this. Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That's important, isn't it? Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I think the NIV has as you trust, as you trust, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Raise that shield of faith. In, in, in every, as you go through the day, as I go through the day, bring things in faith to God. Trust him for it. Just say, Lord... This, I'm, I'm going to commit this to you. I want this person. I just commit this person to you. I, I just need your help here, Lord. And, and you're, it's like that ongoing relationship. You're talking to God. You're fellowshipping with him. And each time you're raising that shield of faith. I want to encourage you to declare your faith. Speak out your faith. It's no, this isn't sort of the... Uh, the, the word type of stuff where you're, you know, you're creating things. Speaking out is actually good. It, it reinforces what we, think, what we believe. There's a, there's a strength in this. When we speak out truth, when we say we're trusting God, when we give our praise to God outwardly, we're declaring our faith in him. And I think that reinforces our faith. So, and lastly... Oh, let me just uh, quote this guy, uh, Wesley Jewell. Um, he was a, one, of, uh, one of the great missionary statesmen, and this is what he wrote and said, Praising God opens your heart to God and to all his sweet heavenly influences. Praising God gives the Holy Spirit welcome and right of way in your life. Praising God lifts you above the trivial accusations of Satan. Praising God reduces your problem mountains into hills of blessing. Praise the Lord. Keep close to Jesus. Deal with any known sin. Rejoice in your circumstances. Raise the shield of faith. And, and the last thing, there's many other ways. Spend time in God's word. Feeding on that word. Jeremiah said this. You don't need to turn to it. Jeremiah 15 verse 16, your words were found, your words, God, were found, and I did eat them 
And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You see, real Christian joy is rooted in the good news of Christ. And in his person and in his work. And that's produced in us as we feed on his word. And, our tr- and put our trust in his word. It's through the scriptures that the Holy Spirit reveals Christ and the beauty of Christ. And it's his joy, the joy of knowing Jesus, that fills our heart. Keep close to Jesus. Deal with any known sin. Rejoice in all circumstances. Raise the shield of faith. Spend time in God's word. Your joy is worth fighting for. If you're not a Christian, never come to that place of real commitment to Jesus and trusting in him. I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, to reach out to Jesus because he wants to give you the joy of salvation. There's a lovely verse. It says that Jesus endured the cross despising all of the suffering, despising the shame, for the joy that was set before him. That means he was looking forward to those who would come to faith in him. So if you are trusting in Christ, you are the joy that caused Jesus to go to the cross. So if you're not a Christian, you don't know the Lord yourself as your saviour, Jesus died so that you might have joy. The joy of a relationship with God. The joy of your sins forgiven. The joy of not having to face God as judge, but as father, as saviour. I would encourage you to reach out to him if you don't know him as your saviour. And if you're a Christian, what are you going to take away from this morning, from this message? Let me finish with this quote from John Piper. This is his book, When I Don't Desire God. He says this, far too many Christians are passive in their fight for joy. They tell me about their condition of joylessness and I ask about the kinds of strategies they have pursued to defeat this enemy and they give the impression that they are a helpless victim. Joylessness is just there. What can I do? Well, God does not mean for us to be passive. He means for us to fight the fight of faith, the fight for joy. Let's spend time just thinking quietly. How are we going to respond? How are we going to put that into practice? What are we going to take away from this? How are you going to fight for your joy? If you don't a Christian, you, you really want to experience all the joy of God, then would you reach out to him in faith, trusting in Jesus? And if you do, If you pray and ask God, and ask God to come and deal with that sin and put you into his family, if you pray that prayer, that sort of prayer, please ask the person next to you afterwards. I'll say to him, you prayed. Would you pray for me? Ask him to pray for you. I've got some booklets I'd love to give you that would help you just to go on from this place, this point. So let's just be quiet, shall we? If the band would like to come up. Let's be quiet. Let's quietly think how to respond. And what God has been saying to us. What can we take away? And it might just be that you need to praise God. And thank God. 
and just count your blessings because that is a wonderful way of rejoicing and of knowing the joy that God gives. Well, let's just be quiet. Lord, thank you that there is joy in obedience. We thank you, Lord, that there is joy in fellowship with you. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't just want us to survive. You don't want us, Lord, just to endure. You want us to be filled with your joy. A joy that goes deep, deeper than just a mere emotion. But one, Lord, that survives all situations. So, Lord, fill us with that joy. Pray, Lord, for any who are really going through difficult circumstances. Whether it's as though the sun isn't shining, where there's no light, because of the hardships that they're going through, or the, just the, the, the experiences maybe of friendships that have been broken, or job that's stopped, or ill health, or something that's even worse perhaps. Lord, I pray that you would come into their hearts in a new way, and fill them with a new joy. And remind them of their wonderful salvation in Jesus. And become even more precious to them, I pray, Lord Jesus. Help them to abide in you. Help them to lay down the marker of faith and say, I'm trusting in you and I will rejoice. Lord, bless, I pray. And may they go away with a, a new joy. A new spring in their step because of that. So, Lord, hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.